All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Daily Face Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in to a Friday edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. It's December 10th. I'm Tyler Uremchuk filling in for Frank Saravalli once again, who's busy down at the Board of Governors meeting, joined by Steve Greeley, the former Buffalo Sabres AGM. Steve, it's a mail-it-in Friday, but there's a lot going on around the NHL. We have no shortage of topics today. Yeah, Tyler, great to be here. I, although I, I do wish I was down with uh, Frank in Florida right now, soaking up the sun. But we got a lot to talk about. Great show today. Olympics. Uh, plenty of topics. Yeah, there's a lot to get to. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start out in Vancouver, where Van where the Canucks continued their organizational changes, hiring Jim Rutherford to be their president and also the interim GM. Steve, this is a guy who's won Stanley Cups. He's built winners before. He's also a guy who's not afraid to make big splashes and big moves. He's confident. He brings a little bit of stability, I'd say, to this organization as well. What do you think of this hiring by the Canucks? Well, anytime you can bring in a Hall of Famer to your front office for his work in the Hall, of, for his work in the front office and his, in the game in whole, I think it's a it's a great thing. So, hey, listen, Jim Rutherford has a track record. He's won cups in multiple organizations. He's been through rebuilds. He's worked with superstars of the NHL. Uh, from everything I know about Jim, he is a thorough man. He has a plan, never in a rush to do anything, even though he makes a ton of trades. Um, when a trade happens, the work's been put in, uh, the thought's been put in. He's branched out his analytics department when he was in, in uh, Pittsburgh. And I, and I think what Vancouver's getting now is a man that's not afraid to make a deal. We all know that. He's swung big on guys like Phil Kessel before, um, plenty of trades. So, I think they're getting a proven leader and, and someone with just a ton of experience and is not very unfamiliar with the situation that Vancouver's in right now. 
Yeah, and I love that you brought up the analytics department as well, because this isn't like Vancouver's just hiring a guy because of what he did. I think Rutherford's done a good job of keeping his eye towards the future, and I think that's important for the Canucks to do. Build up an analytics department. We're seeing the reports that, you know, he is just the interim GM and he's going to look for a younger general manager to bring in underneath him that he can mentor a little bit and groom to be the sort of long-term GM of the Vancouver Canucks. And I love that this is a part of the plan that this Vancouver organization isn't looking for a quick snap your fingers, make us a contender as fast as you can. It really feels like they're trying to build something that can be sustainable long-term. Yeah, and you look at some of the guys that Jim's worked with. Jason Bartle has been a general manager. Bill Guerin's doing a tremendous job in Minnesota. Tom Fitzgerald's in Jersey. Jason Carmanos has a ton of experience. So he's been he's groomed future GMs along the way. So he's a smart man who I think is a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, the staff that he builds out in Vancouver will be fully capable of getting the Canucks to where him and the ownership group wants to be. And obviously that's back in the playoffs. They have a lot of pieces. Uh, it's not a total rebuild organization, um, whether it's Pedersen or Hughes or Horvat, Demko, a lot of good pieces to build off. So I think Jim was probably excited about this opportunity and we'll go from there. Sticking in the Pacific Division, Anaheim Ducks head coach Dallas Akins was on the DFO rundown earlier today with Jason Greger and Frank Saravalli. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts from. And of course, the Trevor Zegris assist, the Flying Z had to be brought up, but Jason Greger brought it up in a way that was sort of more along the lines of, hey, you're a coach, you know, you don't want to stifle this. How do you learn to coach with it? And I thought Dallas Akins gave a really interesting answer to that question. My generation of player, uh, I, I think if something, you see some of these goals uh, that are scored, uh, we would have taken great offense uh, to something like that. Um, it, and... But now, like just seeing what these kids can do with the with, with the puck and and uh, how, how skilled they are, there there there's still a lot of people out there that that don't like it, and, and I don't understand that thinking. Um, we we are a sport, we are competitive, we are here to win, but we are we are here to entertain too. P people work hard uh, for for their money. They, they're going to put their money into some form of entertainment and that they come to a rank to uh, to be entertained. That, that's part of it, too. Now, I don't have much interest uh, interest in becoming the, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters. But if we can make skilled plays at, at the right time, uh, bring people out of their seat, uh, then, then so be it. Like that play the other night by Z. Yeah, the, most of the time you'd be passing the puck on the tape to the slot. He just got the puck to the slot in a different way. Um, and, and we're going to encourage that at, at the right times. Entertainment factor of the NHL, and he used the word encourage, right? He didn't sit down Trevor Zegers and go, hey, great play, but let's not make that a habit, all right? I think more people with that mindset around the NHL would be good for the league. Yeah, I, the biggest word to me there was entertainment, and we saw the clip of the coaches on the bench laughing out loud looking down the, the down to down to one another just like in awe of what just happened and, and he's right we want to see more high-end plays we want to see more super skill in the game i think it's why we originally got rid of some clutching and grabbing and holding it was like let's increase the skill of the game and we're already seeing it go viral i'm watching eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds practice flipping it over the net to the line mate in front so 
outstanding for the hockey, outstanding for hockey in general, and also good for Dallas Eakins encouraging the skill. It's what we want to see in development levels across the world. I hope this is this. All coaches should listen to what Eakins said here. It's it's important to the game going forward. Let's keep moving on here to our third topic of the day, Steve. Something you're working on over at Daily Faceoff is which team has the best center depth in the NHL? And as you look to sort of the top five teams by points percentage, the common theme is that you know they're strong down the middle. When you look at this list, which trio of centermen really stands out to you? Well, the center position, when we get in these seven games playoff series, become absolutely crucial. Who are coaches matching lines up against? What centers are going to be able to handle one another in, in big minutes playing 20 minutes a night in the playoffs? When I look at these teams, and we're just going off points percentage right now, I love Carolina's group. You have Ajo, you have Stahl, you have Trocek, who they traded for two years ago and what's turned out to be a tremendous trade in, in giving them depth down the middle. Um, I, I think the, the Carolina group kind of does it all in terms of providing offense, being able to check, controlling the tempo of the game. Um, one thing that sticks out to me, you see Nicholas Backstrom there with Washington, hasn't played a game this season, uh, but is coming back. Kuznetsov's been great. We've seen Eller. How's, how's that group going to come? How are they going to, you know, will, will they take steps forward points percentage-wise, or are they just going to be a tougher matchup in the playoffs when healthy? But let's not forget about the teams that are right behind here. we got guys like Toronto with Matthews and Tavares. We have Edmonton with McDavid and Dreisaitl. The biggest question mark to me is Pittsburgh Penguins, is Evgeny Malkin going to be healthy? So do you have Crosby Malkin coming back into the mix, which as we know, a healthy Crosby Malkin duo, it gets the whole the whole East gets shaken up, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's such a crucial position. I would say maybe Minnesota is a team that could add in that position. Uh, Hartman's been incredible. Eric Sinek, obviously a very great, he's a great young player. Um, but are they a team that's going to be seeking, you know, a JT Miller or is Horvat ever going to become available? You know, you don't know who's going to be the next piece, but is that a position they're looking to add? I love that you brought up the Panthers and Hurricanes and specifically. You mentioned the trade the Canes uh, made to bring in Trocheck. I view the Bennett deal the same for the Panthers. That's a guy who's played 275 five-on-five five minutes this season. When he's on the ice, the Panthers get 60% of the shots, 66% of the goals and then you look at the Carolina Hurricanes as well you got the dynamic offense of Ajo the 20 goal scorer in Trocek and that veteran presence in Jordan Stahl who just goes out there he's the only one of their three that has an offensive zone starts percentage under 50 percent but despite that again 60 percent of the shots go his way when he's on the ice I, th I think the blend that those two organizations have down the middle is is just fascinating and shows how important it is to build in that way and uh speaking of building a team let's talk a little bit olympics here we're going to start with team usa our guy chris peters has a new projected usa olympic roster up on dailyfaceoff.com so you can read about it there but we're going to flash it up here and do a little strengths and weaknesses assessment steve Greeley. and let's start with the strengths of this usa team because i think a lot of people would agree it's it's between the pipes for this team yeah i, I think you're right with between the pipes the strength to me though changes very quickly if Jack Eichel is healthy and cleared to play in this Olympics. All of a sudden, if USA is going Matthews, uh, Matthews, Eichel, Larkin, Miller, if that's the group of four, I believe that becomes the strength of their team very quickly. Without Eichel, I see the weaknesses down the middle. Um, Blake Cole, you know, Coleman's got to play a bigger role. JT Miller slotted up a little higher than maybe you'd like. So to me, it, 
a lot of the depth on this team or their strengths and weaknesses relies on is Jack Eichel healthy enough to play in the playoffs. As an American, I certainly hope so, and I'd love to see him back in uh, playing in this tournament. But to me, that is the biggest question mark, just defining their strength and weakness, Jack Eichel's health. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. Like for me, I had their biggest weakness written down as their center depth. I think, you know, Matthews is a top line center. I'm fine with that. But after that, I agree. Everyone's kind of slotted one too high. I don't think JT Miller can be a second line center at the Olympics. I don't think Dylan Larkin should be playing that important of a role on an Olympic team, especially when you kind of take those centers from the U.S. and hold them up against Canada. And I mean, Canada is able to roll if they want to do. They could go McDavid, Crosby, Bergeron point down the middle. And it just... It's not even close when you compare the two. So Eichel's going to be a huge X factor. And again, between the pipes for me is going to be how this team can win games. Like they might not need great center depth. They might not need to score three, four goals a game to win because in a short tournament like that, all you need is one goalie to get red hot during the medal round and you're good. And I think they set themselves up so nicely with Gibson, Hellebuck and Campbell in net. One of those guys could very well get like unstoppably hot. And well, and the other, the other thing about this USA team you see is it's a credit to USA Hockey with the depth that they have created. It is not where Canada is, but seeing Brady Kachuk on the outside of Chris's roster or Quinn Hughes on the outside of the rosters, there, there's cases to be made that maybe they shouldn't be on the team. I would have them on the roster, but to me, the the country's depth has improved. Is it as rich as Canada's? No, it's not. That's why the goaltending position will be crucial You know, come uh, February. And I really like the blue line of Team USA a lot more than I thought I would. I think they got some real players there. Uh, let's get to our big segment of the day here and take a deeper dive onto your projected roster for Team Canada. Uh, Greels, you, you went a little viral yesterday with uh, one of the decisions in your projected roster. You had Tom Wilson on the team, Mitch Marner off the team. I want to start by talking about that because everyone's got a take on it. Why is Tom Wilson Olympic worthy in your eyes? First of all, I mean, I got a wife and kids. Oh, my God. I got killed <laughs> yesterday. Um, no, you know, we're on take three. We got another roster coming. And we're always tinkering this with this one, right? So Tom Wilson, to me, he does add an element that I don't think any other team in this tournament has. Uh, there are certainly guys that compete. There are certainly guys that play hard. But Tom Wilson is a unique player. So is Doug Armstrong comfortable with him? Is John Cooper comfortable with him? Is this a player they want in on the forecheck versus USA versus Russia? Can he disrupt the play enough and the flow of the game? that he has to be on there. What we know is he is absolutely in consideration for this group. Is he definitely on it? Time will tell. Points out with an injury. Marner's out with an injury right now. So you'd love, you love a Amazon Prime or a, a, you know, a 30 for 30 on the selection process here amongst that Team Canada group because it's the conversations will be unbelievable. Is Marner a super skilled, unbelievable player? Great defensively? Yes, he is. Is there a good chance he's on the team? Absolutely. Is there a great chance he's on my final roster? Yeah, there is. But adding Tom Wilson to this team, how does it change the dynamic of this group? Um, you talk to defensemen around the league, they don't like going for the puck after him. The flip side of Wilson, and we talked about it, is, is he a liability? 
you know, does a contact to the head, does a bad penalty totally flip the momentum, you know, from Team Canada's favor and to USA's or Sweden, whoever it may be. So the, the Wilson one, we're going to talk about it forever. The one thing we know about this group up front and the whole group, even if they win the gold, we're not going to have got the roster right. Right. There's always going to be people that want different guys on there. Stamkos and Tavares have been incredible. Um, we've seen the quotes about leadership and, you know, playoff success or gold medals before. I, I think those guys are going to be in the group. The guys I'm watching really closely, Huber, Couturier, you know, I, I think they're certainly on the bubble and the health of Marner probably puts them right back in the mix here up front. Absolutely. The one thing I was chatting about with our producer, Alex, before the show, and I'll throw it your way, design your five-man power play unit quickly. Like, I mean, you just simply load up that top group with McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon, McCarr on the blue line, then park a Mark Stone in front. Like, it's fascinating to see what they could do with the man advantage. I, I mean, are we are we making it an hour show or a 24-minute <laughs> show today? Because the debates will be unbelievable. I as talented as you can make the first group, the second group might have a better percentage, right? Like that's how that's how deep this team is. And that will be interesting. I, I always find that that's a fine line on Olympic teams or world junior teams when you have the best of the best from your country is even just balancing out those minutes. So when you have a, a world-class first power play guy who's on the second unit, how's he handling being out there for 20 seconds? Because McDavid's going to play 140. And that, that is the stuff that goes into the coaching. It, it trickles into the blue line. If Kale McCarr is going to play 140 on the PP and Dougie Hamilton's not, do we want Hamilton? Same with Thomas Shabbat. Unbelievable player who I think actually is right there to be on my final roster. Um, you know, I've kind of held him off. We have four drafts. we got to tinker with it at all times. But again, how, how do you divide up the minutes? we got 60 minutes in a game. It's not buzzer hockey. It's not every two minutes. How do you make sure that the coach is rolling this team the, the way he wants best? And keep I keep going back to Doug Armstrong's comments that this isn't an all-star game. It's not a skills competition. We have to build a team that can hit and forecheck. You know, I, I might be missing his, his words a little bit there, but he was talking about checking and forechecking and being hard to play against. And that's where the dynamic of the team goes from these are the 18 best skaters for Canada to what might this team actually be? And we've, we cited Chris Kunitz, you know, a couple of years ago, the chemistry with um, Sidney Crosby as how he got on the team. No one, we got Hyman still there. Should Hyman be on this team? Only if that chemistry with McDavid is absolutely crucial. I think it's a big piece. So I can't wait till my last draft. Don't at me, uh, but it's coming, you know, in about a month here and we'll see. You mentioned Dougie Hamilton, and to me, and, and also you mentioned Armstrong's mindset, the decision to leave a guy like Hamilton off and maybe have someone like a Josh Morrissey on the roster, that really sort of encapsulates that big debate, right, of you can't just build an all-star team. Sometimes, yeah, a more skilled guy like Hamilton, you have to leave him off in order to get a guy who maybe just fills the role better like Morrissey. Well, and, and on, the, on the back end, we have the right shot, left shot debate. Yeah. Does John Cooper want lefty only playing with righty? Is he comfortable with two lefty playing together or two righty? Hamilton kind of shifts the right shot defenseman total. And that's something in the back of my head here. And, and I don't know the answer. I don't know what John's thinking. Um, my last projection 
you know, that is going to kind of be what we think the team actually is. But figuring out how you want these combinations to work on the back end, I think is even harder than the front. The front, you just flow. You know, the forwards can go on the back end. This right shot, left shot combinations, coaches are sticklers. They're, they have firm opinions on this. They want things set. They have strategy. They have plans. And, you know, Hamilton, the right shot, left shot, it, it could be an issue for him with this group. Is it fair? No, he's, he's an unbelievable player, amazing offensive talent. But those are the conversations that John Cooper and his staff are probably debating with Doug Armstrong and his staff. Coaches see it one way, manager sees it the other way. The end, they have the ultimate goal, whether it's the analytics department trying to prove that we can go just two right D here. It, it, I would love to, like I said, I'd love to see the inside of those conversations because when you're debating the best players in the world, it's hard to be right until until you put that gold medal over your uh, over your neck. Quickly, we only got about 30 seconds left in the segment. Between the pipes, Flurry, Kemper, Bennington, are those three locked in or do you think someone else could work their way into that conversation? You know, a month ago, we, we were talking about how unreal Carter Hart was playing and we had him as the guy just looking and then he, he struggled a little bit. So had Carter Hart kept it going, he's on the team. Um, Blackwood started late, Carey Price, we don't exactly know the timeline. The one question to me, and I don't have this answer, is Cam Talbot in the mix if one of these guys has to drop out due to some reason. Um, so right now, that's that's the group. But goaltending, often you go with the hottest guys. So these guys have about a month to prove they should be in there. Absolutely. Steve, looking forward to your final projection and looking forward to see if we get any more spicy takes from listeners about the way you put together this team. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Let's get into our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. Send them in over the weekend, and we'll get to them next week. Last night, milestone for Marc-Andre Fleury, picking up win number 500. That is third all-time. He also got his 69th career shutout, which is 14th all-time. The question, Steve, is Marc-Andre Fleury, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer when he eventually hangs him up? For our friend Mike McKenna, let's do it. Let's give the goalie some love here. He's third all-time in wins. He's got the Stanley Cup. He's been on multiple Cup teams. Um, I think there's a great chance he finishes second overall in wins. He's 52 away. Um, I, I think he's gonna. I think it's gonna happen. And what a great night for him last night. By the way, other than Pittsburgh, Montreal is probably the one place where he would have loved for this to happen. So great for him. And uh, you know, if I ever have a vote, first balloter. See, and at first I wanted to go opposite you. I was like, you know what? I think maybe I could make a case if I look hard enough to say no to this question. And you start digging into it and it's like, no, you can't. He's third all time in wins, but eighth in games played. So the win percentage is there. A career 913. You mentioned he had the rings early in his career that he was a big part of. Then he picked up a few more with Pittsburgh as well. I looked at his international success. He had a couple of silvers at the World Juniors. He won a gold with Canada at the Olympics, even though he didn't play. The other thing though, the nail in the coffin, if he's the starter and Canada wins gold this year, to me, that absolutely cements it. No argument against it that he would be a first ballot at that point. Also, the other thing, 
he's a first ballot guy as well. I mean, you see what happened last night as he picked up the win in the shutout, the crowd chanting flurry. We got a nice picture here of him waving. And then I love too, Steve. He came out after to take some photos with these fans. This is awesome. I love that. Totally agree on the gold medal, by the way. Had it in my notes and kind of slipped my mind. Like, what a great end, you know, to to, to the backside of his career. I know he, he can keep playing here, but the backside of his career to throw a gold medal in the mix and, you know, hey, maybe he's a guy that's traded the trade deadline or something. I know there, it, there was a lot of drama with the trade this year, but, you know, maybe he's a, uh, maybe he's a gold medal and Stanley Cup contender both in the same season once again. Wouldn't that be something? All right, let's move on to our daily best bet segment brought to you by PointsBet. Uh, you know, not a great night last night. One and two, so a, a bit of a slip up after a perfect evening the night before. On the year, as you can see on the screen, 56, 35, and three plus 15.7 units. So still kind of hanging around that 15 unit mark. We'll look to roll into the weekend on a positive note, though. So let's dig into the matchups courtesy of PointsBet, starting with the game between Colorado and Detroit. I love Colorado in this spot. The Red Wings played last night. Alex Nedeljkovic got the start there. So that means it's Thomas Grice going for the Red Wings. And he's struggled a little bit as of late. On the other hand, Colorado's offense is absolutely rolling. The other matchup I got on the screen here is Florida and Arizona. Panthers coming off a loss. Coyotes struggling to get a win right now. The problem with these matchups for me is that the line is just too big. Minus 320, minus 360. There's no value there. Even when you bet on them in regulation, Panthers are minus 180, minus 200 for the Avalanche. So I'm actually parlaying those two. First time all year I've recommended a parlay. I usually don't do it. But when you combine these two teams to win in regulation, it's plus 133. And I absolutely love this spot. I think both these teams will roll in the first 60 minutes and come away with regulation wins. Parlay them for plus 133 is my first play. And my prop of the day is out in New York where I'm centering it around Adam Fox. He's minus 150 to pick up an assist. This is usually as low as I'll go for a prop play. He had a seven-game assist streak. It was snapped in their last game against Colorado. Tonight, the Rangers get to take on the Sabres. They've allowed 15 goals in three games. You're giving me a guy like Adam Fox, who has only gone back-to-back -back games without an assist once this year. Top pairing guy, PP1 guy. I think he'll get on the score sheet and pick up an apple. Minus 150, not a great payout, but I will take it. And that's your daily best bet segment as I like to roll into the weekend on a hot streak. And now to wrap up the show, Steve, I loved seeing this the other day on Twitter. What do you got for garbage time? Chris Russell and the uh, silver shin pads that were given to him last night by Edmonton or the other day. What a cool gift. You know, I, you love seeing new things in the game. We've seen silver sticks. We've seen Trevor Zegers just pass. We've never seen silver shin pads. It's nothing worse than blocking a shot, whether you're playing a men's league or anything. I want to know if I can borrow these for, for my beer league skates during the week. They look like nothing will impact them. But cool gift. I hope they send a pair to the Hall of Fame. Uh, what a great little memento and very clever idea by the Edmonton Oilers. We've uh, seen a lot of silver sticks or a few silver sticks handed out in the NHL, but the first silver shin pads. The other thing I loved for uh, Cowboy Chris Russell is they did a little presentation on the ice about a week ago in Edmonton where they gave him a custom belt buckle as well, which if you know anything about Chris Russell's backstory, that fits him absolutely perfectly. Uh, Steve, this was a fantastic show. Another great week on the Daily Faceoff Show. Enjoy your weekend, Reels. Thank you, Tyler. Great show. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.